DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got Joe Ingles coming up in about half an hour. We're talking Super Bowl with John Clayton, Washington Post contributing NFL columnist, host on 710 ESPN in Seattle. He'll be here at 930. And in between those two, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Question of the day for the Utah Jazz. We will get to that in a moment. But first, let's remind you to join the big show. Friday from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse. 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, boom, 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 boom. I like the last boom better. (laughs) Got to build up to it. What is your confidence level that the Jazz have restored order? That is the question of the morning. And Marco never wavered. He says, they just need to continue to beat the teams they're supposed to beat and split with those that are favorites against you. That's a good plan. I want more than a split. I want two-thirds. Ooh, getting greedy. I am. Hey, why not? I, this is the year, right? We don't, well, we don't know that next year's roster will be as good as or better than no, this year. Maybe, no, maybe yeah. when it gets there, it will, but there's enough older guys yeah. and expiring contracts. There's no yeah. guarantees. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I believe in this team. I believe in this team's ability to play great basketball, and that's why I thought last night's game was important. And it was a funky game. You know, you get a 28-point lead, and then you naturally have some letdown. And then I like to see that Bogdanovich hit the big threes because he has been somewhat inconsistent, especially relative to the other guys on the team. So I don't think he necessarily needs a boost in confidence because he's been doing it for a good long while, but it was still nice to have him do what he does and not have any hesitation. The thing that I love, so obviously you love the shots went in. Ultimately, that's what has to happen. But I want, I'm a big body language dude to see how you're reacting and all that, and are you hesitating because that's going to reflect a little dent in your confidence. But no, you get the ball. This is what we brought you in here to do. So go ahead and do it. Recognizing that, you know, you're not going to have success all the time, but I'm going to have to expect a high level of success. And I like how he gets a ball, boom, puts it up there. And yes, it does go in. That bodes well. So I thought it was a, it was a necessary bounce back game because, you know, you look at the Lakers. All right. Those two studs, it's particularly the one. He's proven. He's got nothing left to prove in this league as far as I'm concerned. He's only adding. It's all icing at this point. He is an all-timer. Roar into the Hall of Fame with all your titles and all that stuff. And well-deserved. And Anthony Davis as a second fiddle. Well, yeah, if LeBron is your first guy, Anthony Davis is plenty good enough. It remains to be seen that Anthony Davis can be the top guy. Maybe he can, but certainly as a second dude, I would take him every single time if my top guy is there. So they don't really have to prove it. And I think as you bring out with Kawhi Leonard, yeah, you're right. Paul George needs to prove it a little bit more, certainly, but Kawhi doesn't. And with the Jazz, they've really got a bunch of guys that you can argue every single one of them has to prove it. And so I think it's important to avoid any form of slump. And if you lose a game, and that's a great thing about it, is this team's really good, so it's somewhat of a mini slump if you lose a game, and especially getting blown out in Denver, which is essentially what happened, and Jokic going for 47. That's not good. That reflects negatively. So that's why I thought they needed that bounce-back game last night. Just for you, I asked Bogey about the shooting because obviously he'd been shooting a much lower percentage than he shot a year ago and that we all, what we all expected to see from him. And over the last three games, he shot the ball pretty well. He was four of eight from three last night, and he hit yeah. two that really mattered when the 28-point right. lead went down to four. 
<laughs> a minute to go. Clearly, those shots mattered. And yes. we played Locke's calls earlier this morning. He was way excited slash relieved uh, sure. because they weren't blowing the lead. They were going to win the game. And I asked Bogey about it, and, and you know, I wondered if he's going to say something about the way he felt and the the you know the wrist and if he was healthy or whatever. And, and he went straight to confidence. And he said, you know, the most important thing is I feel confident. It feels like the ball's going in. I have to stay aggressive. I can't worry about whether the last shot went in or not. And it's clear there's the implication there and in stuff Quinn has said earlier that that happened at some point earlier this season, that he thought, I'm missing and those guys are making. So he, then he passes up an open shot to get the ball back to the guy who is hot, which makes him a good teammate, and there is a certain amount of logic to that. But big picture, I think Quinn and his staff are saying, when you're open, it's only 24 second clock, you got to shoot it. It's you know we got to assume it's going to go in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you have to pull the trigger when you're wide open. You got to let that thing fly. Absolutely. And he, and he did it. And he could have, with a minute to go, it was two on two. He could have said, "Hey, I'm going to hold up. We're going to let three other guys get down here. We're going to run another ten seconds off the clock." And there's a certain logic to that. But they want him to let it fly. He let a three pointer go two on two, and he made it. So all was well. Yeah, well, this is a team that I don't think we have to worry about selfishness. Right. I haven't seen it. No. I don't want to sound like a complete and total It's, holder, it's a bigger problem to, is overpassing. I think overpassing I have, is a much right. bigger problem. than It's more likely to be a problem than selfishness. They're gonna, I have to say what I see, and I don't see a form of selfishness. So, Bogdanovich, if you're open, feet set, yes. And I want – and it's like before the shot, the actual shot is taken. I love to look at that stuff because I think that, in a sense, you can look into the window of, I don't want to get too dramatic here, but, you know, their heart. Because their heart is going to tell you, if you got heart, that means you got confidence, right? Whoever has heart, you, it, I believe they go hand in hand. And so if you have any form of doubt, well, then you're beaten. It's going to be hard to overcome if you, the individual, has a form of doubt. Believe me. Every single at bat when I got in the batter's box in high school, I had doubt. <laughs> oh my gosh, everyone's looking at me. Please don't strike out. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I bet, and just knowing you, see, I think you always had heart. You always gave effort. You always wanted it. But you did have doubt. And to me, you're right. Sometimes those things go hand in hand, but they don't always. I think there are people who have heart and they want it. But on some level, they just aren't sure they're good enough in the moment that's coming. Okay, yeah, but I, we're talking about professionals. Yeah. They shouldn't be there. We're not talking about guy high school yeah. guys like you. Okay, but me. I don't know. Okay, but let's go Paul George. I, I, think, I think Paul George plays hard, but I do see that doubt in his game. But I don't ever think that he's, you know— Lacks lackadaisical, given less than a hundred percent. I don't. I don't. Maybe I should watch closer, but I don't view him as that kind of guy. But I do think he gets a miss in a big moment, and there's oh, and he feels the pressure, and he knows he should come through, and he wants to. I think he's a good teammate and all that. But in the biggest moment, he he doesn't come through. He misses shots. He has two for or three for you know fourteen or sixteen games or whatever. Um, but That's they do lacking confidence. Oh, absolutely, totally on the confidence. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, Joe's coming up in about 20 minutes. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on The Zone Sports Network. Have we ever talked to John on the air? No, no, and I've got questions. Is he there? 
I'm here. Hey, John, how are hey, you? Hey, John. I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, yeah. John, while we have you. No, no. <laughs> we've had a, uh-huh. a, a long back and forth about a pitchfork incident. I want to know the details of my buddy here and your brother running a pitchfork through you. <laughs> we were out working and, you know, cleaning our ends or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he thought that he was like King Triton and he uh, threw that pitchfork and that is true enough. He just rang on the mark and put it right underneath the kneecap. Did you throw a trident? Yeah, and I killed a guy with a trident. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30. Code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orem, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. All right, PK, we got more. Uh, we got more reaction uh, coming in here to the. Uh, what's your confidence level? The Jazz have restored order after the loss to Denver. Uh, Scott says his confidence is high. Good. Leroy says, ask me after they play three games against the LA teams later this month, and they do have one coming up with the Clippers and two with the Lakers in February. Looking Good. forward to those games. Well, I hope there's uh, eight with both of those teams. has the Jazz facing one of them in the second round winning and getting to the conference final against the other one yes it does yeah and eight because you're thinking sweep sweep well minimum eight I'll say minimum eight yeah I don't I don't know don't think they're going to sweep both of those. If they win eight, no against those guys. Oh my That'd gosh. That'd be awesome. Well, when this when Stockton alone swept the Lakers, nobody could believe. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to be a long series. They sweep both those teams. They're, they are legitimately. Yeah, I'm talking about happens. Eight no against them. Yeah, I know. That would, no, no, that would be shock of would all be. shocks. There's <laughs> just no way, not not happening by any stretch. So, but if they, I t- take it right now. You tell me they play the both the Clippers and Lakers in the postseason. 100% of the time, every time, <laughs> I'm taking I sign that. up for that. Because that means you beat one of them. Yep, absolutely. At least one. It leaves the door open for beating the other one. Correct. Mark says they have to stop giving up big leads. Now they're letting a bad team back into the game that should be over. An average team at best. Who's an average team at best? That was Mark, Jazz? That was Mark posting that during the, during the, Jazz, <laughs> during the Jazz Pistons so, game. Though the Jazz are an average team at best? That's what he's saying, yes. No, no, it's not true. Agreed. I can't. They've got a winning. Let the other team back in. No doubt about it. They got a winning record against teams with winning records, and I know that stat's a little squishy because you know teams win and lose and drop above and drop below and then rise above the the five hundred line. But uh, Locke was tweeting out a stat that they're like seven and four against teams (laughs) with winning records. That's an excellent record. If you're doing that well against the top half of the league, you're very good. That's not fattening up on the bad teams. That's that's winning like you you wanted two out of three. They're almost there. Winning two out of three against teams with winning records. And I already know that. I don't I don't need stats to back up what I already know. I just that you clutter my mind with that stuff. Yep. Well, other people need them, so endure it. <laughs> I don't th- I don't think they do. I think you can. Oh, see Oh, they it. do. I think stats guys need it. Well, you're the, the one average, who was saying that people. The average this, fan, we don't. The average fan don't care about stats. But you just they, said they, earlier they, that people in this market are underplaying how good the Jazz are. Off the eyeball test, they're underplaying, and it's part of it's probably psychological. It's like they were disappointed because 
you know, uh, the Lakers beat the Jazz three times in four years during the Boozer sure. era, yeah. and you know, so and the All Jazz history. lost to Jordan and the Bulls with Stockton and Malone. Yeah, but I don't think if you're if you're doubting it, stats aren't going to convince you. So that, that's where the stats guys don't understand that. They think that the stats provide the bottom line, un, inarguable answer. And I because they're, they're in the stats, you certainly and can. So that's move, why they build it. You certainly can move the numbers around at times to make them show what you want. I see what I see. That's what and and, and invariably the numbers then back me up. Because I saw what I saw, and I know what I know. And this team is capable of winning two-thirds of its games against anybody. And I'm, not, I'm talking regular season. A playoff situation where you're honed in on a seven-game series. Get to that when we get to that. But I'm not expecting, to me, just going 500 against playoff teams this year overall, not good enough. That's underachieving relative to its talent, because I believe the ball club has enough talent to have two-thirds success, uh, assuming there's not COVID and injury. When and if we get there, 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 we'll we'll (laughs) worry about that then. Yeah, Uh, And that's uh, where you hope that you're getting a slumping Dallas team when you've got two of your top nine guys out and your number one guy offensively is out. Well, the schedule played out well for them because they got Dallas probably during its worst stretch of the season and they were able to beat them easily. Great. That worked very, very well. Over the course of the season, probably not as much and maybe, if you know, who knows, if the schedule had set up Clippers and Lakers, maybe they lose both of those games, but it worked well to their advantage. But all things being equal, I believe this team has the talent in the regular season to compete and win two-thirds of their games against high-level competition. When it's one-on-one in the postseason, I may change my tune. See when we get there. But right now, this is exactly the way I feel because I see it. I see it with my own eyes. What's your confidence level the Jazz have restored order? And Mark tweets at us, they never lost order. And Kenny says, this is the right answer. If not for a scorching night from Denver, the Jazz likely have won 13 straight. Oh, yeah, well, if the queen had, she'd be king. I mean, come on. So you, you, you can't do that. I, I Actually, I'd see, that's where I disagree. I think because this team collectively has not proven anything, that they have a series of tests. Now, beating Detroit on its own merit is not a test. But beating Detroit after getting worked in Denver is a test under the circumstances. And... People and, and these guys, today's generation is all over social media. So one guy says one thing somewhere on his planet, and these guys hear about it. I mean, look at that goofy thing with that young gal and LeBron. It's all over social media. She put out two videos of F-bombing. I showed it to my wife last night, and he's like, what the heck is this? So the point is, these guys know everything. And because this group... They really haven't proven anything. They knew full well they got blown out in Denver. And they know there's a lot of naysayers out there. So, and, and it's just natural. At least it is in my DNA. If there's a naysayer, what do you want to do? You want to shut them up. You want to prove to them. And they can say, oh, we don't pay attention. We don't care, blah, blah, blah. And maybe Joe doesn't. But Joe's 33 years old. 
And so he's a family guy. He's he, Joe might as well be 55 for the way he's living his life. You know what I mean? I he's do. got I, three kids. He goes home. He does the things that middle-aged dudes do. But I think Mitchell and O'Neill, these guys are on social media constantly, George Niang. So they hear this stuff. So this was a mini, little bit of a mini test, and they passed it. And I think it always comes down to that in the NBA. You're going to lose games, but how how many do you lose? How deep is the valley? How, and when you're rolling, how long do you stay up on the mountaintop? And that is always a question that never changes. And you brought up that Laker loss to Detroit, you know, and you're still in touch with people in L.A. You know people that cover the team. You know people that root for the team. You're texting with them. You're calling them. You're, calling them, you're reading their stuff. So you're pretty in tune with that. And the loss to Detroit... Uh, and it's odd that it's the same Piston team, right? It wasn't, in my mind, it wasn't about the loss to Detroit. It was because now they're 3-3 three and three over six games. And okay. now they lost back-to-back. And the funny thing is, how many people thrive on just a, like a little bit of conflict? Because does anyone remember when they went 3-3 three and three during the regular season on the way to the championship a year ago? I mean, they probably did. I'd have to go look it up. You know, it's even though it happened, it's not that big a deal. But things have been so good for so long in Lakerland that that, as minor as it was, that was a crisis. I lost back-to-back okay, yeah. games in three out of six. Sure. Yeah, we're we're playing like a 500 team. What is it? Well, okay, Anthony uh-huh. Davis just missed the last game, but I'd have to go and look and see how many he missed in the previous five. I know he missed the Detroit game. You know, so... And, and that's uh, with the Jazz, because you don't have as much postseason success. I mean, the Lakers just won the championship, and the Jazz went out in the first round. So... Every little thing actually matters. And you're right, the social media thing is there, and they do know what people see, and they are checking their mentions, or they know what people are saying, and they're checking their mentions. But it is important that, okay, you lost a game, and they shot the lights out, and maybe you didn't compete as hard as you should have for the first 24 minutes, but you can't let it become, you know, two in a row and three out of six. Avoid that. I mean, you're pros. That's what you're getting paid for. Go win the next one. And they came out at the start of the game like it really mattered, and they were sharp. They didn't, it, didn't, it didn't get sloppy until they had the 23-point halftime lead. Right. But it's like Quinn said, you, wanna, you want to keep playing the same way and build a 40- or 50-point lead, but that doesn't happen very often. You know, you know the other team's coming back a little bit. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. Joe's coming up next. Stay with us. The Big Show the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. We found out what happens when Rudy Gobert actually has a bad game, and it doesn't happen often. The way that Denver plays its offense through Nikola Jokic, I mean, it's essentially a point center. There's no other team in the league that plays that way. Like the old Mountain West football days, Nikola Jokic is Rudy's Air Force, where <laughs> Rudy has to totally play a different way on defense against Nikola Jokic and no one else. This is easier said than done, I get that, but you got to crowd Jokic. And you can't go for all his ball fakes. He's going to make you pay for that. And both Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors fell victim to that. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5-1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
DJ PK, and it is time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. It should be welcome Joe and his friends and his little friends, DJ and PK. <laughs> Your assistance. Uh, the Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. Well, Joe, we always talk about it's nice if you can win before you come on because it's so much more fun and you're in a better mood. Was there any point in that Detroit game where you thought it was going to get away and 28 points uh, went uh, down to four uh, and they had the ball? Uh, no. That <laughs> a kid. I didn't. Um, no, I mean, it's. I've said it a million times and, and it probably – it probably is is more this year than than any other previous years. I, I mean, we're playing we're playing against NBA teams. There's, there's really good players on every team, um, and even more this year. I mean, we've obviously got probably more of a target on our back with our record and the way we've been playing and the streak we had and all that. Obviously, teams know the level that, that we're playing at, and and, got, and teams and players and individuals and coaches are ready for us so um i mean as you guys know no lead in the nba is really that safe um until kind of the end of the game but um yeah i mean it's well we we're going to get every team's best shot and um it's a good thing for our group we we, we kind of learn i don't think we weren't focused or anything last night in, in patches. I think we, I mean, they got more physical at one point and, and made some shots. We missed some shots in a row and, and they went on a little run. And I mean, a lot of it's um, a game of runs and we were able to obviously kind of with, withheld that. And we, we were lucky that we played well early on as well to get that lead. But um, yeah, another, another good win against a, a good kind of competitive team. I think that's a real important point. You know, you have the best record in the league today. You didn't have it yesterday, but you had it a couple of days before that. But the point being, you are one of the better teams in the league, and guys in the league know who those teams are. So what does this team need to do to make sure that it's matching the intensity because you are going to get everybody's best shot now? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's easy from a kind of competitive standpoint because regardless of who we're playing or our record or whatever it is, we obviously want to win as many games as possible. So um, as a, as a player and a competitor and um, it's really not that hard. I, I think it's, there's different times and games and situations where you, you, you're more tired or, or whatever with, with the schedule and you've, you've got to kind of find a, find another level to, to help kind of pick you up a little bit. But uh, I, I mean, I've said it, this year a few times where we've got this kind of extra motivation to just keep getting better and better and we we want to just we want to win as many games as possible and that's we're going to win ugly we're, we're going to win pretty sometimes we're, we're going to have games that are close we're going to have 30 point leads at times it's going to be all different situations and I think we've kind of had a lot of them already in the first 20 odd games and, and we've been able to handle the majority of them apart from a couple kind of early on so um, yeah just staying kind of that, that competitive keep getting better uh, mindset and like I said we'll, we'll, we'll just keep finding different ways to win different guys are going to step up different guys are going to play well at different times and um, 
we we've just got to be ready, like you said. We've got to be ready for everyone's best shot. They're going to be they're going to be ready for us, whether it's they get to play against Rudy or they get to play against Donovan or because of our record or, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, we've got, we've got to be switched on every night. You know, I thought, and and I know you can be a little self-deprecating. You know, you were fortunate and you played well early, but I, I didn't think it was an accident. I thought it it probably there's a little urgency after the Denver game, but I thought you guys were really sharp and crisp early on. Guys were cutting hard with a purpose, and nobody was passing up open shots. Guys, if they were open, they were taking it and, and largely making it. How much did you feel a little sense of urgency because of just a single loss in the last 12 games? For sure. No, it was- I don't think you ever want to like overthink it or, or like one loss doesn't make us a, a bad team or one win doesn't make us a, the, the best team ever. Like it's finding that balance of, of what, what we need to do each day to, to keep getting better and better. And um, I mean, you look at that Denver game and obviously we didn't play great more on the defensive end. I think we still had 120 points or something like that. We still, we still scored the ball. Um, even though we didn't shoot as well as we thought or, or whatever it was. But it was a few things defensively that we, we obviously could have done better, giving up 130, whatever it was, 130 or whatever it was. So um, you, you don't overthink it. We, we, I don't think no one was kind of down in the dumps or, or anything. But, yeah, it just makes you – I mean, it makes you want to play right away. We, we probably could have played – a game right after that Denver game and probably beat anybody. Like you, you just feel that urge to, to want to get out there and fix the mistakes you had. And like you, you think of obviously yourself or what you could have done more. And uh, I think the guys were, were, were just excited. Obviously the, it was only one game, but just to, to get back home again, play in front of our, our fans um, or, or the, the fans that we can have in there and um, knew it was a, an important game before we, we obviously head, head out today again on another little trip. So you talk about playing right away. You look at February. There's 28 days. You got 14 games. There's nothing you can do about it because you're going to have to play those games either way. But what do you think about that as far as this many games in such a short duration? I know you have to embrace it, but you feel like you're physically prepared for it? Yeah, and I think what helps our team and um, – there's probably not a lot of teams, but we are so deep as well. We've seen, obviously, different nights that different guys have been out for, for whatever reasons, and, and Mia's come in, uh, Juan's come in. We, we've had different guys um, have to come in and kind of play play different roles. I've gone and started and played more minutes or whatever the situation is. So um, I think, I mean... I don't want to look into the future too far, but I'm sure at some point in those games, guys' minutes or fouls or, or, or fatigue, like whatever it is, depending on the situation, is, is, we've got the luxury to be able to throw 12 guys, however many guys coach needs to throw out there to give, give more rest or, or depending on the situation. So we're, we're pretty lucky with that. Um, and like you said, I mean, Obviously, we don't get a choice. You, you get the schedule you're given, and you, you figure it out around that. And we're uh, on the other side of that too. We're also really lucky that we've got. Obviously, I'm biased, very biased, but we've got the best medical and health team. We've got one of the best facilities with recovery and all that. So, so our guys are super professional with with staying on top of the, the things we need to do to be obviously as close to 100% and, and healthy and 
non-fatigued as, as possible. Joe Ingles joining us on the Joe Ingles Show. His little assistant's happy to be able to pop in just for a minute <laughs> while Joe's greatness is on display. And Joe, here's something, especially this year, I really don't know how this operates because the NBA's changing so much with all the COVID rules. So you go on the yeah. road here and you're going to play Atlanta. Now, you'd seen Detroit before, so at least you had a previous game of experience against them. But you haven't seen Atlanta. Normally, you'd have a practice, you'd get on the plane, but you're playing so many games, Quinn may not want to practice. And then, normally, you'd have a shoot-around, but I know with the testing and early in the morning, that gets hard to do. So what is the prep? How do you know, hey, these are their guys, these are a couple of their favorite sets and what they like to do, these guys have these tendencies. Where do you get all that info? Because I can't imagine Quinn's letting you fly blind, but I can't imagine imagine you're prepping like you normally do either uh first thing is you're incorrect we have played atlanta already um but we haven't played charlotte and and whatever but that was what i meant um, bigger picture joe sorry i screwed up your show (laughs) um another thing that you said which is is correct is quinn will not let us go in under prepared um yeah i mean it's a it's a fine balance of kind of figuring it out and Quinn's told us kind of from the start of the year and different times throughout the year that, that, that he'll pick and choose when we, when we, or when he thinks it's necessary to have a shoot around or, or not, obviously. Um, like you said, I mean, today we fly at 11 or something like that. We've got a test. Like I, I went in and tested at 7.30 this morning to then be able to take Miller to school and then get home for a little bit before obviously taking off again. So it's, it, it's different routines. Um, like you said, same on the road. Like we have to test and get our results back before we can leave our rooms. So we have to walk down to like a, a ballroom or whatever, do our test, go back to our room until we get our results back, and then we can go to shoot around. So, like you said, it's like if we have a ten o'clock shoot around, it takes a couple of hours to do our test. They've got to go to an offsite, um, usually to the other team's facility or whatever, to run the test which depending on where you are in the city, it could take hours, like if you're in a bigger city. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. I, I think, again, we've, we, we do have a veteran and, and professional team that um, knows teams, knows players. We get a lot of stuff through, um, like, Zoom or email or whatever. Like, our, they'll text the slides of players or, or teams. Um, a part of it is also... Obviously, I was just knowing the teams and players as well. I think we, you've been, a lot of our guys, main guys, um, I mean, even the, the younger guys have been in a couple of years now. So, so you do know guys' tendencies a little bit more. And um, the one thing I guess we can do all the time is we can, we can watch film kind of anywhere, really. Um, we can watch it via Zoom if we have to. Um, I think LA or something was a rule. I don't know if the rule's still there, but when we first went to LA, you could only have 10 guys in a room at, or like the capacity of 10 people in a room. So that's kind of half our team. So we, we did it different ways. And I guess one of the things we've embraced this year is just being very fluid with the, the scheduling and, and what can happen and not. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, and... I can reiterate, Quinn is definitely not going to let us go in underprepared. So we we figure it out each trip and each game what the best way to prepare is. And um, well, we've been really good at just kind of locking in on those like smaller details of what that stuff um, 
really means in a, in a year like this. Like I said, you can't go to shoot around and walk through plays, so making sure we lock in on a film session so that we are as prepared as we can going into a, a game. So I'm not going to ask you to brag on yourself because after seven years, I know that's a waste of time. You are now the franchise record holder in three-pointers made. Rather than just talk about that, what I do want to ask you is what does it mean to you as you – you're not done yet, obviously, but at this point to make a vital contribution to the franchise? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. I. I haven't honestly thought about it too much. And uh, me and Renee and I have spoken a le- about it a little bit at home and stuff, but it was just kind of like that. Like, se- I mean, seven years ago, there was, there was zero, te- well, one team obviously, but at the time, zero teams that wanted me. And the the Millers, Dennis and, and Quinn, um, obviously gave me a chance and, and brought me in here. And obviously I'll be forever grateful for, for the Millers and, and the front office and Quinn, obviously, um, to, to give me that chance because I was uh, what, uh, 24 hours away from getting on a flight and going back to, to Australia and playing in the NBL probably. Um, so obviously very, very lucky and, uh, and I obviously realised that, that, that the opportunity they gave me and then to, to have a coach, um, I've talked about obviously Quinn a lot, um, throughout my years on here and, and not how good he is as a coach and all that, but just how good a person he is too. To, he genuinely cares, obviously not just about me, about every player that's been here in some capacity for however long they've been here. He's taken the time to get to know him and, and puts in that effort and it, and it makes you want to do everything you can to play for the guy. And he cares about us. Like he asks about Renee and the kids more than he asks about how I'm feeling. So to have a coach that that's like that and then, with all that, it obviously makes you want to repay him and the franchise. And, and for me, it was, uh, I've said it before, I was on that non-guaranteed and I was was not going to let that kind of slip up and, and let that go. And I was obviously lucky to make the team and then sign a two-year deal. And um, I guess, again, kind of lucky through a little bit of luck with, with injuries and stuff. Um, I got thrown in the starting five for a finals or my first playoff series, and we beat the Clippers. We go on this little run, um, and it's just kind of the evolution. Kind of every year's been something a little bit different. But um, honestly, I've every day, every game, practice, whatever it is, I've really just tried to obviously give everything I possibly can to to try and repay the Millers, the the franchise, for for the opportunity they gave me. So. Um, I mean, seven years ago, I never would have thought... I mean, I never thought I would have been here still, to be honest with you. Um, but to, to, to then break a record and then obviously for it to be a record held by a guy that was here for so long and is is the Utah Jazz when you, you think of the franchise. So, um, yeah, pretty special. I, I Like I said, I haven't overthought about it. This is probably the most I've talked about it since it happened. Um, probably in the, the future years coming up, I'll, I'll think about it more. But, I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest, Donovan's going to steal it off me. And I've already said, as soon as <laughs> as soon as soon Donovan makes, like, a bunch of threes in a game, I'm going to blast him in the media and say that he's selfishly <laughs> just doing it to take my record. So, um, no, it's a, I mean, it is an honour. Like, I, I'm slightly proud. Um, and like you said, I don't 
I don't really like talking about myself too much, but it is it is something that's pretty cool that I, I honestly never thought would happen. So yeah, a massive obviously a massive thanks to to the Millers again and, and Dennis and Quinn and, and the fans who were yelling at me to shoot when I was twenty feet open in my first year and I was scared <laughs> to shoot. Um but yeah, we got there. So <clears throat> let's ask you more to let's ask you to brag about yourself on some more since you, since you're already <laughs> in a role and you're in the groove. But I think this is important. I think this is important, and PK will say this till he's blue in the face, but you have more stature than PK and I combined by a mile and a half, so maybe it'll mean more coming from you. But PK worked with people who've made it very big in the media, and he remembers when they were answering phones, taking in high school scores, like the lowest level entry job, and now they work for ESPN and they're big shots, right? And, and the fact that you have to work all the time, you said you were lucky and fortunate, and I don't doubt that you were, but I also think there's a foundation of hard work in there. What do you think you did in Spain or in Israel that caught Quinn's eye when he was coaching overseas or caught the eye of an international scout and mentioned something to Dennis or that Dennis saw on film or I don't know maybe he's over there and saw yourself that made them want to call you after the Clippers cut you because there had to be something like and you're okay you're tall and you got a long arm so you got that but what do you think you <laughs> did hey they look for that if you'd been six one, you might not have gotten the call you know True. but you're not so you got it but there still had to be something you did that caught their eye or they wouldn't have called you when you were down in the dumps in L.A. and you were waiting on Ronay to uh, to fly into town. Yeah, I mean, it, um, honestly, I don't. It'd be, it'd be a good question to one day. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to know the answer right now while I'm while I'm still playing for him. But um, I mean, it'd be something that I would. I'd love to to talk to them about when my career is over. Like, what, what exactly was it? Um, uh, I think a part of it, like when you, uh, I've talked about this with you guys before, like every team, I mean, you've got your couple of superstars and, and apart from that, really, it's like finding role players that fit into a specific role for, for that group. And um, uh, I think for me, I think knowing Quinn, uh, I'd say I know, knew Quinn before I came here, but playing against him, he, he he was in Russia while I was in Barcelona and playing against him. So he would have seen me play a fair bit. And, um, I think that, it, like I, I honestly think they, they knew, uh, I think they saw something there. Like I, I, I feel like there was um, maybe some potential or whatever they saw. Obviously I was a bit older, but something that, that they thought they could work with that could, could keep growing and, and getting better and, I felt like I had that in myself. I just never thought I was in the right situation to, to really keep getting better. I was I, I played for massive teams and great teams and won a lot, but I was, I mean, I was barely playing. Like I'm not ashamed to say that. Like I was, I was barely playing. I played a role. Uh, I did what I'm similar to what I, I have done here. Like I played a, a smaller role than what I have here, but I played a role in Europe and. Um, coming here it was like the same kind of thing like I, I had to fit in I had to find a role uh, I think they, they like I said they saw something that they could work with um, but I think Quinn also knew that whatever he was going to ask me to do I was going to try and do and for you whatever I was that first year or two like 12, 13, 14, 15 whatever position spot on the roster you want to say uh, I think he knew regardless of minutes or whatever I was going to come to practice and do what I had to do uh, if I got an opportunity I was obviously going to do my best and, and at the end of the day I, I wanted to win and, and I think 
Quinn, as we've seen, has built a winning culture at this franchise. Not that they hadn't had it in the past, but those the first few years I got here, we were winning 20 games or whatever. And, and it's hard to win in the NBA, and I think he, he he could have felt that I could help that and, and help be a leader in that, even though probably 75% of the locker room had no idea who I was when I first got here. Um, and like I said, again, I, I when I got here, I, I just felt like I had to repay them, and um, that's been kind of my mindset of just being locked in and and trying to give them everything I can every night. And I mean, you guys know I've played some really crappy games and I've played some great games, um, but I've, I've tried to leave it all out there every night and, and try and not entertain the fans, but give the fans a, a good show and let them enjoy the game and, and play to, to the highest level I can. And um like I said, it's, it's been a good road. It's like this is my retirement speech, but um, <laughs> it's been it's been really fun. And again, I mean, I never would have thought I would still be in this position. I never thought, honestly, like breaking a record. Like uh, I, Quinn, Quinn's been a big part of it. Quinn, Quinn's been a, a huge part of my development of, of getting me to this level and, and giving me the confidence to play at this level. Like I was... I mean, Quinn have talked about it. like I was down in the dumps in Europe. Like I was, I was ready to just go back to the NBL and play in Australia because I was just kind of miserable and I, I didn't really want to play that badly. Um, and I mean, Quinn was Quinn's completely kind of turned that that feeling around, and now I feel like I could play forever. Like I, I feel like if he was my coach, I would just keep on finding a way to to be effective. Well, we'd love to have you brag on yourself some more, Joe, but you got to go. I know that. So we'll let you go. Thanks for coming yeah, on. We'll talk to you again. Maybe before I get on this plane, you guys are asking me all these it's the most serious questions you've ever asked me seven years later. <laughs> well, don't get used to it. I got a bunch of Valentine's Day questions for you next week. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Might skip next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, you know, PK, if I, if I had to guess, it's one of the things that you spotted in him right away, and I think it's something he had, is that uh, he was thinking the game a couple steps ahead and he could pass the ball. They knew he could shoot it. And they knew he was a willing passer, and that before the ball hit his hands, he knew where it wanted to go. You know, and he had some size, so why not take a flyer and see what he can do? Yeah, absolutely, man. You've got to give if it's it's Quinn Snyder who was the uh, leader of it, or or Dennis or Lindsay. I'm not sure who it was, but whoever it was, you've got to recognize them for seeing something there because. You know, it's obvious uh, you need stars, but you also need very, very good role players. And plus, you need those guys who have a desire to win. And that's the great thing about Joe is, you know, he sets this record for threes. And it's probably going to be broken at some point because threes are being taken way more. And Stockton would have had more if he played today. But that's not really the point. It's The point isn't that he's got the record for most threes. The point is that he's making a valuable contribution. That's the point that I was trying to drive home in whatever manner it is. And because he's a great assist guy, too, and he's obviously not going to break Stockton's record there. But here's a kid who was taken off the scrap heap, and now he's developed, and you really have to credit the organization for seeing that because it's a special talent to be able to figure that out, and they put him in a place to succeed. The mark of great coaching is putting guys in the best position individually to succeed, and clearly that testimony that Joe just gave of Quinn Snyder, Quinn Snyder is doing that. And it's not just Joe, right? They did it with Royce. Sure. They've done it yeah. with George Niang. A right. little different with uh, Rudy, but they've done it with Rudy too. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah Hoops staff member, coming up next. Stay with us.